And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Conquest Chronicles. This is Matt here, along with Dina. And we got, um, don't have much for you guys today. I mean, it's been pretty much, which is surprising, it's been pretty slow in the USC uh, world of news with, with football, basketball, but um, and, and not that slow. We have some. I mean, some things to talk about. I mean, there are some things, but for a typical normal USC USC uh, day, there hasn't been much. <laughs> After the month of January, just hit us like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll go ahead. We'll um, we'll we'll go ahead and we'll chime in on a few things, including the Puka Nakua uh, commitment. As well as USC made another hire to their offensive staff, and we'll discuss the um, we'll discuss some baseball here today. So, got quite a few few things here for you guys. But uh, Dina, how are you doing? How's how's everything been? It's been good. I've been enjoying the cold weather still that we're having. You know what? I'm not a fan of this cold weather. I'm. I'm I, me, I'd rather me and Cole don't get along, but I guess if you like cold weather, you're you like it better than the hot hundred and something degree weather. Heck yeah, I hate being hot. I hate sweating. I hate the feeling of heat. <laughs> I hate everything about. It. Hate the feeling of heat. The feeling of heat. That is actually. See, would you rather go to a game in the rain, or would you rather go to a game in? Oh no! Late September. I'd rather go to a game, and I'd rather go to a game in late September where it is not. Ooh. No, where it's not raining. I've done. I did rain games, and I can't do it. I see. The only rain game I've been to was the Notre Dame game in 2015, 2016, 2015, 2016. 2016. It was 2016. Where Dory had the hat trick. 2016. Uh, that was fun. You know what? I can't do the reason why I can't do um, rain games is because I did one in Oakland when the Raiders were playing Kansas City and it was pouring rain during the day, and it was and I was tailgating in the rain the whole day, the whole morning. It just ruined my game experience. And then my, you know, you're, you're sitting in there with a poncho. The poncho isn't really working. Your your socks are, are soaked. Everything's soaked. And ever since then, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was like, no more rain games. No more pouring rain games or being in the rain. And nah, can't do it anymore. N- just no. But you do bring up an interesting point. At least it, it's not sitting in the burning hot where you're just like it, it's sweating. sweating and you're yeah Coliseum midday games or mid af, mid afternoon Coliseum games. So good point there. <laughs> but um, let's go ahead and let's look at uh let let's get into some some USC football talk. Uh, we'll start off with the more recent news today, and that was that USC hired um, John David Baker, not to be mistaken with John David Booty, former <laughs> USC quarterback and Rose Bowl legend. Um, John David Baker actually w- is expected to be hired. Reports came from um, from Bruce Feldman and and Joey Kaufman. Um, they're expected to hire him as an offensive, I believe, offensive quality control, offensive quality control, and um, and, and offensive analyst. He was at North Texas recently. He he was at North Texas where he worked with Graham Harrell. Um, typically, we see this with a lot of offensive coordinators that they have complete control of the offense. When they have complete control of the offense. They're basically going, look, I need this guy with me. I need this guy with me. I need this guy with me. They're trying to get their own staff. And it's like that, whether you're a coordinator or whether you're an offensive, um, whether you're a coordinator or an offensive or, or a wide receiver, or not wide receiver, or a head coach, 
or anything like that where you're in control, you're going to want your guys. You're going to want guys who you worked with or you, who you know you can work with or will give you the best chance to win. And Graham Harrell, who was given complete control of the offense, who was given complete control of the offense, he um, basically is, he basically told USC and Clay Helton, hey, look, seeing I'm in control here, I need to get my guys so I can effectively run this offense the way it needs to run. So John David Baker, who's been at um, again he was at a he, he was at North Texas, and as Dina mentioned to me earlier, he was at he played at Abilene Christian. Yeah, he was a quarterback, and he actually um, I'm looking at <clears throat> USCfootball.com because so I was trying to find his stats on ESPN or Pro Football Reference, and I couldn't find it, but um. They said as a senior, he broke the total single-season touchdown record with 40. Um, Did he play in the air raid, too? He threw for – dang, he threw for seven touchdowns in an 84-6 to six win, the second-highest point output in school history at Abilene Christian. Who the heck were they playing? <laughs> I have no idea. It doesn't say. Who – wait – 86, 84, to, 84 six. to 6? Who were you playing? Let's see. I'll look it up real quick. Somebody, wait, not, I mean, we've seen scores where they've hung 100 on people. So that's absolutely nothing. But the fact that. They played Concordia. Oh, yeah. Okay. And this is FCS, too. So. This, that's, they played Concordia. That sounds like they played an online school with a football team. <laughs> no offense to anybody. Concordia to me sounds like a high school. No offense to anybody who have attended Concordia or anything like that. That I'm sorry. It just I'm sure people will go, oh, you know what? Yes, people say we sound like an online school. Hey, I, I'm sorry. It's given the state of USC football, I have to say something. Um, but I think this is a. I, I can't say if this is a. Um, a quality hire or anything, just because the given fact, I don't know much about about the hire. I don't know much about the guy other than... I think he was the same kind of role at North Texas because he doesn't say really... Yeah, he... Basically, it, if you're giving... You're, this is basically a hire to give Graham Harrell what he needs to operate the USC offense. There's not much that we can break down or analyze with it. But given how North North Texas have operated, and again we've heard um, and we've heard Clay Helton Clay Helton talked about Graham Harrell, and he said that Graham Harrell will not be running or that they won't be running a full on air raid. That it'll be balanced. It'll be somewhat balanced. However, I don't tend to buy that. I don't. I don't really buy that because. I feel like Helton wants to keep the philosophy of running the football and being a physical team, which you – and in all honesty, you need to establish the run game in order to be successful in the air raid. I think they're going to run a variation of the air raid like how Mike Leach is running it at, um, at, at Washington State. So I don't think it's a full-on air raid, but I do expect USC to be passing the ball 50 to 60 times a game. And um, and I do expect USC to um, I do expect to see JT Daniels running a lot of screens and and slants. You know, it's not going to be the we're going to throw the ball fifty to sixty yards a game. You know, or a throw fifty to sixty yards a throw. It's going to be quick slants, screens. And if you don't know what to expect from North Texas, look at their offensive highlights. Watch their offensive highlights. And and see what they what Mason Fine and what North Texas did offensively last season and two seasons ago. That is the idea of what the USC offense will look like. All right, Mason Fine going into the next the next season, going into this upcoming season is one of the most the hottest quarterbacks uh, to talk about. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what he does with JT Daniels. And, again, that's another quarterback you throw in there with JT Daniels. 
he's another QB you put in there with JT Daniels. And that's what JT Daniels needs to be a lot around a lot of guys who've actually played the position and who has experience at the position at coaching the position. Brian Ellis, no offense to Brian Ellis, but he was not that guy. As we mentioned before, USC needs coaching. USC has to deal with coaching. Or they have to they need to coach these guys up. And I think that's I think USC has done a stellar job of putting together a staff that will coach these guys up with experience. Despite what people thought about the recruiting class, which we will get to that uh, later. And hopefully, hopefully, going back to the air raid. Um, hopefully, Bar- Marquise Step, the he'll be a. Did he redshirt last year? I think he did. No, he played. He had to. He had to burn his red shirt last year. Oh, he played more than four. He he redshirted initially. But they burned the rest because of the running back depth, because of the um Oh. I didn't know he played more than four. He didn't he didn't, but by the time they red shirted him, that was when uh that was when Stephen Carr, uh Cedric Ware or Ware and um who else got hurt? I know Ware was hurt. No, Carr was hurt. I think Carr was hurt, Ware was hurt, and and they had to burn his red shirt in order for him to, in order to feel that depth. Because they had no yeah. depth at running back. Yeah. I just really want to see him break out. I think this season, I, with where, where gone, cars, still, I think he's still questionable. I haven't heard anything about he's, he's his health, health. He's healthy. It's just they don't have running back depth. Well, as long as he's able to stay healthy. Exactly. He could break out this season. He could. He he could. And which it was his birthday yesterday. So happy birthday. Happy birthday to Marquis Step. Uh happy happy birthday to, or happy belated birthday to him. It was his birthday yeah, yesterday. Happy birthday. So um but no, I I think with uh I think with the air raid, you're you're gonna see the running backs get, you know, their opportunity and their chance. I think you'll see that. I think that that's going to be what we're, what we can expect from, uh, excuse me, that's what we can expect from USC is that they're going to utilize their running back. They got, they got enough talent there to utilize it. I think that's what they're going to utilize is the amount of talent that they have at that position. All right. And I know it's like beating a dead horse, but USC has the talent to at any position. USC has just, USC has talent across the board. Right. It's, it's just, just utilizing it. it. Yeah. And that's what um and that's what was mentioned. I think that's what a lot of people mention is that USC has talent. USC has an abundance of talent. That's no debating that. It's just USC doesn't do the best of jobs utilizing their talent. That's the issue with USC. But We'll see what Graham Harrell can bring. Um, we'll see what Graham Harrell brings with with uh, his staff. So that will be a, a interesting thing to see. Now, moving forward, as we mentioned Graham Harrell, we have to mention recruiting. Now, National Signing Day is coming and gone. USC's recruiting class is done. Um, but Sunday night... Finished 18th. I think we finished 18th nationally, I believe. 20th. Really? I saw something the other day that was 18th. Uh, it, that was pre-Puka Nuka, uh, Nakua. Oh. After, after Nakua flipped this, well, I just ruined this. I just ruined the report. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> but now that the cat is out the bag, and, or, or unless you've been living under a rock and you just haven't paid attention, Puka Nakua, um, long-time USC commit, Flipped his commit on Sunday night and committed to the Washington Huskies. Uh, There's been a lot of rumblings about him and momentum leaning towards the Huskies and him being at at Washington. There was a lot of rumblings about that. There was a lot of reports about that, uh, about how Washington now became the the favorite and how he was going to flip his commitment. 
And um, he didn't sign on National Signing Day. As we meant, as it was mentioned, he didn't sign on National Signing Day because of um, be, because the family just they've been busy. Nakua is playing basketball at Orem High School, and the family just had so much going on that they didn't get a chance to sit down as a family and discuss where he's going to go or or what his options are to, to weigh the options. And for a recruit. While, yes, it's his decision, you still want to discuss it as a family. Again, these kids are 16, 17, 18 years old. So you're telling them to make a decision based off of them. However, the family got to play a factor because the family got, wants to travel to watch games and all of that. So they got to figure out what's good for them. So when Nakua, um, so Nakua pushed it the Sunday – then Sunday, it was delayed by about 30 minutes, by close to 30 minutes, due to weather, due to snowy conditions. Snow in, in Utah delayed, the, um, delayed it, and I thought they were going to make the announcement at 11, or at 11 Mountain Time. I, I literally thought they were going to make it, and they were going to put it on Facebook, but he made it on time. And he announced it on the um, he announced on Nash on uh, Salt Lake City on I forgot what the station was, but it's a oh KSL on NBC affiliate KSL uh, at Salt Lake City in Utah, and he committed to uh, to Washington. So he flipped his commit from USC to Washington, which now that officially means USC only has three. Uh, recruit or three signees, three wide receiver signees um, in the 2019 class. It also dropped down their ranking from 18th, as Dina said, from 18th to 20th, and they finished third in the Pac-12 in ranking, uh, uh, recruiting rankings. This is the lowest USC has been since they've been keeping, um, since they've been keeping tabs of recruiting rankings back in 2000, I believe. I've heard 24-7 sports started doing it in 2002. So this is the lowest in a century. This is the lowest ever for USC. Uh, this is the lowest ranking ever for USC. But Dina, what are, you, what are your thoughts on a, Nakua, um, on a Nakua signing? And this brings up another interesting fact, and this is another question for you as well. What does this speak about USC? Because now they lost two big, two key playmakers, two big time recruits, you know, in recruiting. Yeah, it's interesting that he chose Washington. I don't know. They're having, they're going to have a quarterback battle. Um, they're not an air raid team. They do throw. I guess the uncertain. They, I guess the uncertainty at USC was probably the deciding factor. Um, but even then, I mean, he would have come in there. There's not, like you said, there's not much depth at wide receiver, so he probably would have started um, in this new air raid offense. So it's interesting. Um, it, the whole thing, and I mentioned it on. Um, I mentioned it on in Conquest Chronicles article. I mentioned it on Twitter, and I've also mentioned it on Mark Rogers TV uh, yesterday that that uh, I think the coaching changes, with the coaching changes, that played a huge yeah. part in it. But it wasn't when they made the changes, because they made it before early signing day. They made it way before then. It was the Cliff Kingsbury departure and the timing it took for USC to make a hot Ooh, excuse me, to make a hire at, um, at USC. That, I think, affected the decision because, right. the, again, when Kingsbury committed, these kids were ready to come. Like, it was the thing. Like, everyone's like, oh, my God, Cliff Kingsbury's here. I can't wait. Then when Kingsbury left, nobody knew what direction USC was going with the offense. That was the, um, that was the uncertainty. Uh, that also gave Washington and Oregon time to go, look, 
USC don't know what they're doing offensively. We already have a game plan. You already fit. Now, I've read somewhere that Washington only had, or, or at the time, only had one wide receiver commit for the 2019 class. So maybe, and, and depth-wise, Washington needed wide receivers as well. But yeah. I think it was just the fact that USC don't, had no clue what they were doing, what the, where they were going to go offensively. And when they finally figured it out, when USC finally figured it out, I think it was just too late at that time. It was too late for USC. Um, it was too late for USC to to salvage that uh, the relationship with Puka Nakua, and I think that just that that falls on USC. But this it, it's interesting because USC tends to pull in four star, five star recruits. They can't even keep guys in the state of California. They can't get guys in the in the state of California. Jordan Wilmore decommitted. All purpose back force decommitted. You lost Brew McCoy, who would have been who 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 would have started for USC at wide receiver or would have been a defensive end or could have played both. But you lost him where he was to a point was willing to sit out a year at Texas. He was willing. He's willing to sit out a year, just to go to Texas. That's concerning. Now you lose Puka Nakua. On top of you have three guys who are already on roster that that transferred. The air raid requires depth at wide receiver. USC do not have much depth at wide receiver. Unless you, you know, I don't. I don't know what's going on because they already addressed the need at at a defensive back. But what is going on offensively? Because you can't say, well, why isn't USC pulling in four-star, five-star recruits? But Greg Burns went in and pulled in a boatload of defensive backs as three stars. Now, I will say the star rating can meet – once you hit college, the star rating means nothing. I know a lot – there's been a debate of, oh, stars matter – you know, your ranking matters and all of that. Not debating that, but at the end of the day, you got to be coached. USC showed it. That USC has a boatload of four or five-star guys on their roster, yet they couldn't be coached up. Sam Darnold, you had, and it was mentioned on Mark Rogers TV yesterday, USC had Sam Darnold, Deontay Burnett, um, who else am I missing? Tyler Bonds, Michael Pittman, and they, and and Ronald and Ronald uh, Jones and Juju for a season. <clears throat> and they struggled in red zone. They struggled in the red zone. But it's not the fact that USC can't pull four or five star recruit. I think the uncertainty had a lot to do with it and the coaching changes. Once you have a full year under your belt with the coaching, with the current coaching. I think they'll be fine. But my thing right now is what is where where did it go wrong with USC? Like this is unusual for them to pull in that amount. So I is it the dysfunction at USC? I don't know what it is, but this speaks volumes of what how, how people view USC. And I do think it doesn't help that you have an angry fan base that want Helton gone. I and I want I mentioned this on Twitter. I and I, you know, I've been thinking about it. I think the toxic the the amount of the fan base or the fan base right now being unhappy plays a part in that toxic atmosphere at USC. Because we were I was and, and Jim Moore said it on ESPN. A lot of these kids want to play in a college atmosphere. They want to go to Otson Stadium or or DK Royal Memorial Stadium. They want to go and play in those college football atmospheres opposed to playing at a half-empty Coliseum or a half-empty Rose Bowl. The co when USC wins, 
Oh, the atmosphere is rocking. The atmosphere is is um is great to be at. But the last few, but I mean, now it's different. You know, I don't know if that's the reason or just a five and seven season, um, or just a five and seven season played a played a part. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that that and the coaching was the biggest thing. I I honestly I think um I don't know I just think the fact that they I think just the fact that the, the Trojans went 5 and 7 just it, it didn't sit well. Now, things could change. Let's 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 get that straight. Things could change. Okay? A lot of things could change with USC. And I say that because what if Graham Harrell performs very well or USC performs very well offensively and USC looks amazing next year? That could help things, you know, but right now it's just we got to wait and see how that play, how all this plays out for USC. Yeah, they just need to put their heads down and not worry about news and the feelings of fans and all the negativity. I think that's the best thing because I see a lot of... Uh, the best thing for them is to show up and start winning. Well, that's the... And that's the thing because I see it a lot with um, with a lot of former players and they're like, oh, well, we already know who the true fans are. You know, there's a lot of... And I'm like, you know... And I understand their frustration. It's like you want fans to be fans, you know? You want fans to support you. How it is, USC, a lot of fans are unhappy with USC because of last season, because there's no improvement. There's no adjustment. USC went, what, 11 and 3? They went 11 and 3 before before last season, this uh, debacle. They went 11 and 3. Okay, that's fine. You know, that's great. But they barely won. The game they barely won was something. Then they lost to Notre Dame on the road. They lost to Washington State, a game that they I don't think they should have lost. No. But a game that ended up ultimately costing them in the college football playoffs. Had they won that game, I think they would have been in. Um, so there are that. On top of you got throttled against Ohio State. USC, and I think people want the USC of yesteryear back. They want the Pete Carroll era back. And I understand when I said, look, that is an anomaly. That is something that will never happen. That won't happen like that again. But a lot of people want USC to compete with the Clemsons of the world, the Alabamas of the world, the um the Ohio State's, the Michigans, because USC would used to throttle those teams. When USC used to when USC was under Pete Carroll, USC was so ahead of its time. I oh I want to say ahead of its time, but USC would lose games that you didn't think they would lose, but would dismantle the nationally ranked teams. Like we wouldn't have to worry about them going up against against Alabama that time because we knew USC would probably hang 50 on Alabama. You know, we would th- think, oh, USC plays Michigan? Okay, USC's going to win by four scores. USC dismantled Ohio State in the Coliseum in 2008. I'm just saying. And then we had, and then we had this debate of would they have beaten Florida that season? Honestly, yes, they would have beaten Florida, but we can't have that debate because now we're like, I don't know, Clay Helton has no clue what he's doing. But they have a chance to to bounce back if USC can, if USC, if the coaching and the players can put their head down, their new recruits can come in and develop well. I think USC will be in a fine, will be in a good position. I think they're in a, uh, I think USC, I don't think five and seven will happen again. I don't think five and seven will happen this year. 
I, I, that, that's something I can't imagine happening. I, I, yeah, for, I can't see it either. I, I can't see five and seven happening. But who are some recruits that, uh, that USC got that you are, uh, excited to see? I know there's, um, again, USC did pull in five stars. They did pull in a couple of, a couple of four, a few four stars, actually. Um, they, they pulled in Max Williams, who's already on campus. They pulled in, uh, they pulled in, uh, Kyle Ford, who, again, again, may not be, um, <clears throat> who may or may not red shirt depends on how that goes but who are some guys you are that you're looking forward to that you're looking forward to uh seeing or that that you think were good pickups um Kyle Ford obviously Jude Wolf the tight end out of St. John Bosco cuz the the past few years USC really hasn't had a um, a solid a, tight end. A solid tight end. I mean, what's... Um, well, I mean, they had uh, Tyler Petit, but then... and I and don't, Justin, I don't consider him a solid tight end. <laughs> and then you have um, Josh Follow and... I think he is. He just started to break out in the past season. Um, and then you also have Daniel Amater Bebe, who is on... Um, who is in witness protection somewhere. <laughs> yeah, he's been dealing with injury... So I think Follow and Wolf, I think they should, um, they would be a good one too if, if Wolf translates well to the college level and they throw, I think they should start throwing the ball more to Follow because every time he has it, something big happens. Well, I think, well, and, and this was something I just found out too. Um, Wolf is actually also dealing with a leg injury as well from, from college or from, not from college, but from high school. Um, I, I will say a guy I'm looking forward to and that I've been hearing a lot about is Max Williams. He's a guy I'm excited to see. I just don't know. It, it, he's pushing to make it back by fall camp. That is the word that he's pushing to make it by then. Whether he makes it by then or not, I don't know. But they're saying it's going to be pretty darn close. Um, Drake London, the two-star, two-star, two-sport athlete, will be interesting as well. I'm interested to see how that works out. Now, here's the thing with that. I'm interested to see how it works because I'm interested to see how it works because I want to see how he balances it. Yeah, because. Because in high school, it's it's completely different, you know? Right. It is com- right. It's completely different. Jason Rodriguez, shout out to his... Um, shout out to his dad, Scott, who I know listens to the podcast. Yes, shout out to him. He's going to be a good one, too. Yeah, he's he's a solid solid recruit, a four star offensive tackle. Um, I think will bring not only depth to USC's line, but um, he has quick feet, good hands. Yes, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a very good one as well. That is somebody uh, I think he you can and he's huge. You can yes. <laughs> You could plug him into the line right now. You could plug him into the line right now, and he will definitely, definitely make a, a, a impact on on the offensive line. I think he's um someone who I think he, he you could see him play right away. Yeah, for sure. He's a he played basketball in high school too. Uh, he, I he's not playing at USC, but he he's also a dual sport high school athlete. And you're starting to see a lot of these guys who are dual sport athletes um, who are already um, – how can I put it? They're, they're already the, – they're already doing great things. I think, I think it's great to see, to see kids play uh, multiple sports. But 
I honestly think uh, USC, I think USC pulled in a, a decent re- recruiting class. I think they did. I thought they had a solid recruiting class. It may not be to USC standards as many expect or as many would say. It, it may not have been that, but at least with USC, it's a solid recruiting class. Again, I, no matter what they pulled in, it comes down to coaching. It comes right. down to coaching. If USC, and that was the biggest complaint last season was, USC and coaching, USC and their ability to coach. That was the biggest complaint. USC now has to rec- has to get back to coaching. They they replaced half of their staff, so we're gonna see what they can do. We're gonna see what happens with USC. Um, and, and come spring ball, cause spring uh, spring ball starts soon. Mm-hmm. Spring football is coming up in March, actually. So. That's when we'll find out. That's when we'll find out what um, what this coaching staff can do. And again, it's going to take some time. So, so. Uh, but what do you think about the the recruiting class, Dina? What are your overall thoughts about it? I think it's a solid class. I mean, yeah, we lost out on a a few big recruits. Um. And the only five star we held in was Kyle Ford. Um, but granted, if you don't transfer, I mean, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, it's a solid class. It's not like I don't. I feel like a lot of the the determination on whether it's a good or bad class will come once they start playing. I agree. Because who knows? Who knows what what they're going to translate to in college? I agree. Well, and what a lot of I know people are expect are asking what can we expect uh, for spring camp? What is USC going to do for spring camp? Helton said he's going. He's going to get back to the basically the fundamentals, technique, penalties, turnovers, all of that good stuff. However, a lot of he wants to do that. I think. The first thing he should do is start tackling in practice. Yes. Because you can't say you're getting back to the fundamentals when, you know, the number one thing is to tackle well. Well, That's like the number one fundamental. Well, not only that, but I think um, not only that, but I I think a lot of fans are like well we've heard this before so what's new about it now like you're not going to get us with the with the banana he wants to say oh well what's new we're going to start tackling you like you're not going to get us with the banana and the tailpipe trick again you know you said this last season you said this last year and look what last year turned into i like clay i think he's a really good guy i just think he needs to not be afraid to switch things up I I would I would agree with that. I mean, he's got nothing to lose. Really, he don't. <laughs> Especially after last season, I could understand it maybe following the Pac-12 championship and the Rose Bowl, but for real, right now he has nothing to lose with switching things up. Because last season, at, at this nothing r- worked. At this rate, you might as well try something new. You got to establish a new culture. They got to establish something to where it work, where it works. They got to do something. They got to do something to where it works because whatever they did last year, it didn't work. (laughs) It it didn't work at all. So something got to change. Something has to change. But that we'll see how that goes. Um, Again, spring practice starts in March, I believe. Yeah, it, they're um, they're what are they called? The early morning conditionings. That starts in March. I know for a fact because I was I was for a while um, at those um, with the what do you call them? The student managers. Oh yes. Yeah. 
So. Yeah, I um, I I just think it, it's gonna boil down to that. We'll see how that works out. We'll see how we'll see how all of it plays out. We'll see how all of it plays out. But um, speaking of that, we're gonna move forward with baseball. I know a lot of people are like baseball. Like, why are we talking? Why are we talking baseball? And hear me out here, you know, hear me out here, because I know a lot of you guys are like, why are we going to talk baseball? So if you haven't been on our, um, well, baseball season is basically coming up. Pitchers and catchers in the MLB already reported. Um, USC baseball starts up here this week, actually. They start, uh, they have opening day. They have their opening series against Nebraska Omaha at home. Um, they got a few quality opponents coming. They got they play Grand Canyon University. Also, they have the Dodger the Dodger Stadium College Baseball Classic, aka the Dodgers the Dodger Town Classic, the Dodger Stadium Classic. However, you want to shorten it up. Um, this is a thing where four teams participate in a showcase or over the weekend at Dodger Stadium. Um, and that, that it, they do a showcase in Los Angeles, basically. It's over the weekend, somewhat of a series, but you have four teams, and, and each of those teams play each other throughout the weekend. USC slate is they play uh, Oklahoma State on Friday. Then they play Michigan on Saturday, March 8th, March 9th. And then they conclude with uh, with their annual crosstown battle at Dodger Stadium against UCLA. Now, as we've mentioned, as we've mentioned on Twitter, Dina and I will be in attendance for the game. We will be in attendance. We will be there. Um, so if you are a if you are a, a fan of our podcast or if you listen to our podcast or if you read Conquest Chronicles and seen our articles, um, feel free to say hello to us. Feel free to say hello to us. Say hi to us. Say how you're doing. I don't care. You know, <laughs> say, say some, just acknowledge us and know that you've seen us, but, <laughs> but, um, it will be a fun one. Dina, I don't think Dina's ever been to Dodger Stadium or have ever been to a, I've been to Dodger, I've been to the press box in Dodger Stadium and I've been to, um, the upper level, like the top, top level. Oh, top deck. But I've never like actually sat. Or no, I went to a Dodger game once when I was like seven, but I don't remember it. Oh, so much changed since then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but in all honesty, uh, we'll be at the game. It, it always great to be at a. I, and I've been to, to the Dodger Town Classic before, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun because you have USC fans there, you have UCLA fans there, and you have teams of other fans who you never thought you would run into. Like, all right, I've ran into Michigan and Oklahoma State fans, so I'm not too like, oh my God, you're a Michigan fan. I honestly do not care because I run, I run into them every day. <laughs> I live with one, so there's that. But um, we've asked you guys. I, I actually, Dina asked who. What are some food suggestions? Because Dina and I are planning to go eat after the game. And we've asked for food suggestions. And we got quite a few, actually. There's been quite a few food suggestions that's been passed along to us. Um, uh, and we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll throw them out. So one came from, from our... I won't read them off, but if you if you've heard them, then there it is. But we got two suggestions to go to Yang Chow and um and Chinatown. Never heard of it, but I haven't either. But Chinatown is um, I believe Chinatown is just right there by Dodger Stadium. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it is. It's just right there by Dodger Stadium. Um, another one, somebody brought up another suggestion, King, Ta or, um, what is it? Banditos on King across from the Coliseum. Have you been there? I have not. 
Bandido, Bandidos, across the street from the Coliseum. I, I don't think I've been. Or And another one said, or go old school and go to La Barca. I don't know where that is. The original Tommy's, Tommy Burgers on Rampart in, uh, in L.A., I've been to that one many of times. Have you have you had Tommy's? I haven't. Tommy's is actually really good. Uh, the original Tommy. There used to be. So there's a Tommy's. And there's the original Tommy's and Rampart. That's not far from Dodger Stadium, which is pretty good. If you like chili cheeseburgers. Um, I used to go there all the time growing up. There used to be one in Santa Monica, and then they tore it down and turned it into a Starbucks, which to this day I'm still mad about. Because that's the one I grew I grew up, of, up off of those two. Um, someone else mentioned La Barca. I, I got to figure this out if I've been there or not. I've probably been there, and I just don't didn't know the name. Um, Dino's Chicken. I don't know where that is. I don't think I've ever had Dino's Chicken. I haven't either. I've <laughs> I haven't had any of these except King Taco. The the uh, I've had King Taco. King Taco's um kind of overrated. Yeah, I don't, I don't I didn't really like it. King King Taco's kind of overrated. Um Little Jewel of New Orleans. That that's a first. That's a first that I've heard of that. Me too. Uh Masa and 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 Echo Park, Deep Dish Pizza and 5 minutes away from Dodger Stadium. That was from Will Hernandez, one of our fellow writers. Eric Steffen of um, Eric Steffen of True Blue LA, of uh, uh, the Dodgers SB Nation site, mentioned Guacitos on Sunset for tacos, Felipe's on Alameda for French dip, sa- French dips and sandwiches. And I've heard a lot about Felipe's actually. I've I've heard of it, and I've also heard of Guisado, Guisados. Yeah, Guisados. <laughs> I've I've heard of Felipe's. I just never been to Felipe's. I've heard so much about it, but I've never been. I know people are like, "How have you lived in LA or been to LA?" Listen, there's a lot of places in LA that I've never been to. Okay, so bear with me. <laughs> Bear with me here. I grew up in L.A. It's like a lot of people who lived in L.A. never been to Roscoe's. Though I don't like how Roscoe's has become a trend now. But I've mentioned Roscoe's to Dina, but Dina doesn't like chicken and waffles. No, she don't (laughs) like... She don't... Explain this, Dina. I I don't want to get this wrong, and you're right there. (laughs) I don't like chicken with the bone in it. I like boneless chicken wings and chicken tenders. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, I like chicken and waffles. I'm sorry. I that used to be. And I'm not really a huge fan of waffles. I like ego waffles every once in a while. But... Oh no, these are yeah. no, nah, these aren't ego waffles. <laughs> these are like your homemade big waffles. Like yeah, it's that, but it's really good though. Oh my god, I want Roscoe's now. I mean, that's probably the first place I'll go when I land, when I get uh, to LA. <laughs> um, Mohawk Bend on Sunset Boulevard, and somebody brought up King Taco, and we just mentioned King Taco. But um, no, keep them coming. We're always we're always down to hear more food options. We're always we always want to hear more food suggestions from you. So please keep it coming. We have a month to figure it out. I'm sure we will figure it out. Uh, And we might actually do a live podcast from where we eat. So be on on tabs of where the location is. Uh, Just be ready. And and if you want to come out and support, come on out. Support support Conquest Chronicles and our podcast. Again, we'll do a live podcast. Uh, we'll, We'll do our podcast from that location um now that i actually have an actual mic <laughs> but we'll do a, a our podcast from that location it'll be a lot of fun uh, we'll talk usc football we'll talk bait we'll talk usc or 
um, or anything else, sports in general, you know, but feel free to come by, feel free to stop by to say hello to us. We'll be there. Um, we'll be at the at Dodger Stadium March 10th, Sunday, March 10th. The game is at 3 o'clock, I believe. 3 o'clock or 3.30. Um, but it, it's always fun to go. It's always fun to attend, and plus being at Dodger Stadium. And if you're a Dodger fan and you just want to see baseball, come on out to the game too. Just go on out. Have, have a good time. Come say hello to us. I have a few friends, actually, that's going to the game. That uh, and they're UCLA fans, unfortunately, <laughs> that um, don't know how I'm friends with them. <laughs> but they're but they're some of the closest people in my life. But I don't know where UCLA. I know one. Why one is UCLA because she graduated from UCLA. The other one, her sister, gone to UCLA, and the other one, I just don't know. Just confused, I guess. Um, but before we we end it, Dina, did you manage to catch the AAF? I didn't. I was at work all for all of them. Uh, so this new league, I, I know I'm gonna mention it because it's the talk of um. See that Berkovici hit though. Yes, <laughs> Mike Berkovici got lit up on the opening game, and that is the clip that everybody have seen is the Michael Berkovici hit. Uh, that everyone that everyone's seen, um, but little do we know there were a couple of Trojans in action, and during the weekend, uh, Damian Mama, if if, mm-hmm. if everybody remembers Damian Mama, he was the offensive guard and offensive center for USC. Started multiple times. He's a two-time All-American at at USC. No, he's a former All-American. He was a one-time All-American at USC. And he was an all Pac-12 selection. Um, he he was rotating in between guard and center like he did at USC. So <clears throat> he got the start. He got the nod. Uh, he got the nod. And um, and and Demetrius Wright, Demetrius Wright, a, a name who we haven't heard in a while. He also played uh, last night too at safety. <clears throat> He was the starting safety in uh in 2010 his freshman year. And then he started and uh, then he he split time with Juwanza with Juwanza Starling. But he's also a um he's also a guy that saw some some pretty good playing time as well for uh for for the uh, San Diego Fleet. Both of them played for the San Diego Fleet along with Michael Berkovici. Um, and Troy Palomalu, a name that a lot of people know of. Well, I don't even have to name his accolades of what he did. But Troy Palomalu is the head of player relations in the AAF. Um, mm-hmm. But there were also there were other Trojans um, who I believe were cut. I, I believe they were cut by teams. I, I haven't seen them on any rosters. But um, – uh, Darius, but Darius Rogers and and Daquan Hampton and Anthony Sorrow were some guys um, were some guys who were on rosters as of November. I guess when the first pre when the practice games came out or the quote unquote preseason games came out and training camp, they were cut from the rosters. But they were all on San Diego. And I guess they were cut from the final roster because I don't see them on a roster anywhere. I don't um I don't see them on any roster. But overall I like the product. I like the AAF. I know it was week one. But is there anything different than the NFL about it? Yes, it was very different. Um it was in the NFL and in college football, <clears throat> and I was just relieved. I was relieved to see that there weren't many penalties. And I know people will say, well, that's di- what it's the discipline thing. But in all honesty, they let football be football. You can make a big hit. You can be physical and not have to worry about a flag. You can make a tackle and not have to worry about being flagged for hitting the quarterback too hard. You know, you can do those things and the referees would throw that would keep the flag in their pocket. It was refreshing to see. And also, the game was quicker. It was faster. I don't – I mean, the pace of play was faster. 
is how I really want to say it because recently you have the kickoffs and, you know, the extra point. There's no kickoff for extra points in the AAF. You have to start – each team start with the ball on the 25, on, the, on, uh, on their own 25, and then you, if you score a touchdown, you have to go for two. Interesting. You have to go for two. You have to go for a two-point conversion, and that really cuts down time. Now, there's still there's punting and there's field goals. There, that's obvious. But football was football. You didn't have to worry about executives going, hey, we got to do this. And how the way they did the, the instant replay, too. So everybody wants to know what are they talking about in the headset and when they're reviewing. They actually show it. They actually show what the process is. And that eliminates the whole conspiracy theory in the NFL. They, this is something that I think college football and the NFL should take a, a, a page out of. And the reason why I think that is because everybody can see the process of how this works, you know. Now, granted, the NBA is doing something similar where they're having the referee Twitter account, uh, the, the NBA referee Twitter account, but that's just horrible because they're making – because there are some obvious calls and the NBA is going, well, that's not a travel because he's having his gather st- – uh, that's a whole separate conversation. But I think the AAF, because of how bad the Super Bowl was, and yes, granted, people are saying, well, it was a defensive game. It was a great game. It was a de- very, it was very defensive. Just still, the Super Bowl left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. And a lot of people are not happy with the NFL as it is. So the AAF gives us something new. It gives us something fresh. Um, and not only that, the fact that it's already on national television, it's already on your local CBS station. You can tune into it on local CBS, on national worldwide television, and it drew good ratings. So the fact that this is new and that it, it already it already drew people in. So now what is week two gonna bring, you know? And now and you have familiar names like the guys who are in charge of this, like the Heinz Ward of the world, you know, the Justin Tucks, the the Troy Polamalu, these are guys who played in the NFL and went, look, this is what we got to do, you know, to make this successful. This is what we got to do to make it successful. And the fact that, and for college football fans as well, you see familiar names in it. Like, you see Rick Neuheisel, Pistol Rick Neuheisel is a head coach for Arizona. Um, who else? Steve Spurrier. is an, it, mm-hmm. Steve Spurrier's team put 40 points put up 40 points against Atlanta. Steve Spurrier is a head coach. Um, again, we mentioned names like Michael Berkovici, Zach Mettenberger, you know, QBs like that who we've seen on Saturdays that, that play. Michael Berkovici is a very familiar name who we know of. But if you're a college football fan, you're like, okay, look, these are the names right here. Denard Robinson. Mike Riley's also a coach. Yeah, Mike Riley's a coach. I believe Dennis Erickson is the head coach for the Salt Lake City Stallions. And Salt Lake City and the Salt Lake City team is playing at Rice Echo Stadium in, in Utah. So they're already in places where I think they can draw in a good fan base. You know, I I like it as it is. So it, it's fun. I, I like it. You know, I just think as it goes, we need to see how it goes as it moves forward. But all in all, week one was good. I I, I think you, you just – you have to see – and they show replays of it, but you have to see it to see what we what I'm talking about. I, and I think you'll like it too, Dina. I think you would like it too. Yeah, I think I will, especially since – won't get flagged for a hard hit. No, well, you saw Michael Berkovici get, decapi- <laughs> get uh, decapitated on live national television when, it, when he gets hit and his helmet flies off. I think that was the one thing the AAF needed. They needed that because that hit instantly drew attention. 
And now there's another big one that same the same day that a quarterback got hit pretty freaking hard. And, you know, that's the thing. That's what I think a lot of people need. But it reminded me a lot of the Arena Football League in its heyday. When the Arena Football League was a big thing in its heyday. That's what it reminded me of. Um, but it was fun. It was it was fun. I can't wait to see more of it. But um other than that, I think that will be it for that that that's all for us. Be sure to um make sure to to follow us on Twitter at C Chronicles SBN. You can also follow me on Twitter at Matt A. Lowry. You can follow me on Twitter at Always Compete. And you can listen to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Spotify, however you say it. Um, and, and the Anchor app as well. You can listen to us on the Anchor app. Again, uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you, you rate us, listen to us. Uh, but yes, yeah, subscribe to us. Let's get some subscriptions going. Subscribe to us if you like it. Um, rate, give us a rating if you do like it. If you think I talk like a like like a um, <laughs> I forgot what the term was. It was a uh, car in neutral. Uh, if you think I talk like a car in neutral, let me know. <laughs> I honestly thought that was a funny comment. Uh, that I, I, I seriously that thought that was funny. That was funny. Um, so if you think I talk like a car in neutral, let us know. But give us a let. But let us at least know that you listen to the podcast as well. <laughs> you know, even if you say I sound like a dying car in neutral, I guess. But until then, we'll see you guys. We'll we'll talk to you guys next week. Fight on, everybody. Fight on. <laughs>